Hey, this is Pastor Jack C. and my wife, Michelle. We are pastors here at West Houston Christian Center, and this is Living With Purpose. And we're going to continue talking about marriage and the ups and downs. We're trying to bring you a biblical perspective of what marriage is, uh, trying to add a little bit of our own personal experience. We've been married for 26 years, and uh, we are uh, endeavoring every day to learn how to be a better husband, be a better wife, be a better son to the Father and uh, to try and help as many people as we can. Amen? Yes, go back and watch some of the other broadcasts where you hear how we met and how we came to know each other and just some things that we talked about, about covenant and a little bit about just joining together in God's perfect way. And God's way is perfect, and we want to know God's perfect way so that we, when we follow it, can have perfect results. So good. We're going to pick up again talking a little bit more about covenant, and we started last uh, broadcast um, we really haven't got into a lot of the definitions. Would you like to give just a biblical definition of covenant? Do you have oh, that sure. in your notes? Sure. I mentioned the Hebrew word for it last time, and that Hebrew word is bereith. It means cutting, compact, which is like an agreement, confederate, which is a uniting league. And by the way, it's derived from choice or selection. It's our free will choice to be in a covenant. It is a formal unification or ally and both a cutting kind of away from others and a cutting to unite together, which we touched on, but we can touch a little bit more on that. But but it's an agreement. And in the Greek, the word is, because we see the word covenant like 280 times in the Bible, it's in the Old Testament as that word bereath. But in the New Testament, it's in Greek, and it's the word um, diatheke, and I'm not sure I said that right. And it means a disposition uh, that is, a, is specifically a contract. Disposition kind of means order, method, or arrangement. So a covenant brings order in a divine arrangement and it's so good okay well i just want to say god has a heart for us to see his way of operating and doing things he has a perfect way that will be bring the perfect results i just said a minute ago and covenant was not mentioned until the covenant with noah first but then he goes through and we see the covenant with abraham and the covenant with moses with the people of god you know and he has all of these different things that he says um, about covenant. But in, in the story of Noah, I just wanted to mention this. It's really powerful when he first, you know, there's a law of first mention. There's something God's trying to get across to us the first time he mentions it. And so if you were to go to Genesis 6 and see that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually, That's good. but that he later in verse 8 says, found grace in the eyes, excuse me, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and that Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. There's that word perfect. He wasn't perfect because he was perfect. He was perfect because he walked with God. That's good. And then it goes on to use the word in verse 18 of Genesis 6, but I will establish my covenant. That's the first time we see the word covenant with you. And he's talking to Noah. And thus Noah, verse 22, did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. So First, I want to say God established his covenant. That's how he worded it. That means he set, he fixed, and he firmly founded. So sometimes it's a foundational thing, and sometimes it's a fixing thing. Yeah. Here he's coming to fix something, because in reality, even though the word covenant is not there, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about Adam and Eve. That was a covenant, even though it didn't use the word covenant, because it's described as a joining the same way that will describe covenant being. But it is establishing something is... Um, to decree it and make good and set it up for success as well. So he's establishing something and Noah had to first do his part for the covenant to work in the first covenant that we see the word covenant That's with so in the Bible. And the only reason I mention that is 
When you go into covenant with God, you have to first say, I want to be in covenant with you. And yeah. boom, you get so blessed. So good. When you go into covenant and marriage, you first make that choice. Yeah. It's your choice. But then there's a part that you do and a part that they do. And you aren't supposed to be so concerned with, you're not doing your part. You're supposed to be concerned with your part. Noah didn't go, well, God, I'm not going to do it unless you do your part. Noah was like, I'm going to do that. So good. And when he did that, he was so, so blessed. Not only did God bring forth the first covenant, but if you see all the wording, the first thing he does after the flood and wipes out the earth, after protecting completely Noah and his family, is to bless Noah. Good. And then he speaks about covenant again in verse 8 of chapter 9. It says, Then God spoke to Noah and his sons, and he said to them, as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you. And he begins to say all of these wonderful things about that. And we know about the rainbow and all of that. But, but anyone can call on God in covenant. It's good. And it's important to recognize that in marriage, covenant is going to be what some, what some of the things we see here. It's going to be a protection. Yeah. It's going to have promises. And it's going to have evidence or a seal, like, like wearing my wedding ring phys- symbolically, yeah. but physically evidence of our faithfulness to each other. But as we go through covenant, we're going to see all of these things that it entails and how we're supposed to be imitating that in our covenant with one another. Yeah, our problem is, as an American, I don't understand covenant as much because really covenant was something that started back in the garden. It's been imitated by every culture. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very, very serious thing. And with my American Western mind, I think contract. And a contract is like a set agreement having a complete having complete terms determined by the the initiating parties, which also are fully um, assumed by the an, an entirety of the agreement. When we sign contracts, you know there are there are universities that have classes that tell you how to get out of a contract. You know, a contract is a man-made thing. I don't even know that. And it, as we live in our world today, we can see contracts are broken all the time. Yeah, that's well, true. Well, why is con- why are contracts broken? Because there's not a penalty associated with it. You know, the contract is just there to get what I want, and then I might honor it, I might not. It just depends on how it fits me. Covenant is a divine constitution or ordinance with a sign or pledge, but it's for life. Yeah. And we don't really think those terms. You know, I, I saved this for the end, but I'm going to throw it out there now. I think a lot of times in marriage, we confuse the wedding for the marriage. You know, we're going to get married. And, so true. And now all of a sudden, we, you know, this switch gets, this 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 candle gets lit, yeah. this fire, this rocket gets lit. Yeah. And now it's all about the wedding. Yeah. And it's about the dress, and it's about the venue, and it's about, you know, the guest list, and there's such almost, it's so intoxicating because every girl has been waiting for this day since she was eight years old, you know, to get married, to get the ring, yeah. to, you know, this fantasy of this day and all your friends are there and, you know, the choir and the right church and the right weather and it's everything and you put all this work into it and you, you know, you get to that day and it's wonderful and then you wake up the next day and everybody's gone. The party's over. The party's over. And you have to begin to live And the out. next thing you do is you roll over and you go, who are you? And who is this person? Let's have the party again. Well, that doesn't happen right away. You still yeah. have this. But then there's the moments of like, oh, you leave the cap off the toothpaste when you're done. And you don't put the toilet paper roll on right. this way. And you leave your clothes on the floor until the end of the day. And oh. Yes. <laughs> and we take all of our emphasis and we put it on, you know, let, let's be real honest, okay? If... If money 
and power and fame were all the ingredients to a good marriage, then Hollywood would be the the marriage capital of the world. Wow. But you have the most beautiful people that have the most money, wow. that have the most access, that have, most have they have everything, yeah. but yet they too can't stay married. Well, why is that? Because nobody's looking at this with eternity in mind. You know, no one is taking the time um, well, most I've done are not, I've yeah. done several weddings, and whenever I do a wedding, you know, I I always bring this to part. And, and let's talk about a basic covenant first. And a basic covenant, when someone enters into a covenant, there's an agreement of terms, which means both parties needed to fully understand what they were getting into. No one accidentally That's falls good. into a covenant. It has to be something that. When you were gonna make a covenant with somebody, you had to fully understand. See, like in marriage, Michelle, when she entered into covenant with me, she didn't just say, Jack, I just want your good parts. Right. You know, I just want your well, nice maybe parts. I, did it I want just I kidding. just want the parts that make me happy. I don't want any of your you know, your dysfunction. I don't want any of your problems. I don't want any of the other stuff that goes along with you. I just want the good parts. That's not covenant. When you enter into covenant, you're taking the whole person at face value. Right, strengths and weaknesses. Right, you're taking the whole person. I just can't pick and choose. Like if, 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 if I'm depressed, she can't say, you know, honey, when I married you, I, I didn't take the depression. You know, that's just something that you need to go work off on your own. Yeah, I didn't take your poverty. I didn't take any of your lack. I just took the parts that make me feel good. And believe it or not, as absurd as it sounds, that's how people will enter into marriage with somebody. They're like, man, I love you when times are good, but man, if something goes wrong, if something goes bad, I'm out of here because I didn't take those parts. Covenant doesn't allow that. Mm -hmm. Covenant says, I. there has to be a full, you have to fully understand what you're getting into. And that's why it's so important for us to marry someone that we're gonna marry to date over a minimum of a year, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And just go through all four seasons kind of and see what they're like winter, spring, summer, and fall. But I was just thinking about how much God loves us and he takes all of our faults, everything that's wrong with us, and he accepts us he accepts us, you know, when we receive him as his son as our savior. He accepts God accepts us exactly as we are. But he wants more for us. So he's always trying to bless us. We don't get any faults because he has no faults. He's perfect in every way. And so it's almost an unfair like covenant for him, but it's a perfect covenant for us. But we can learn from that to be Christ-like and to love the person exactly where they are and want yeah. more for them. So, so if they are, if there is a dysfunction, if there is depression, we want more for them. So we begin to use our faith according to the word. We take the word and we begin to stand on the word for them instead yeah. of just complaining about it or divorcing them over it. So but, yeah. good. And that's why it's so important when you enter into a covenant. And I'm, I'm, rem I'm reminded of a story that when Joshua was taking the promised land, and you know they had they were, Jericho had fallen and they were moving well. A neighboring a neighbor uh, of Joshua or, or that was going to be a neighbor of Joshua said, "Hey, look, this is a, a nation that's bigger than us. Let's go over and see if we can get them to enter into a covenant with us, mm, yeah. and that way that they won't destroy us." And so what this group of people did, even though that they were neighbors. They dressed as if they'd traveled a great distance. They had tattered clothes. They had their food stores that were almost empty, their animals, everything. And so they presented themselves to Joshua and they were like, hey, look, we understand that God's with you. We understand <laughs> that this land is yours, but look, 
We just want to make a covenant with you so that you will not destroy us. We'll do whatever you say, but we want to enter this covenant so that you don't come in and just totally wipe us out. Well, this is what happens when you enter into a covenant with somebody without fully understanding yes. the terms. And what Joshua didn't understand until later was that this group had not come from far away, that they were in fact neighbors. But that power of covenant was so strong that even though it was procured dishonestly, Joshua still had to honor it. Now, that group of people, if you go back and learn, Joshua said, you're going to carry our wood, you're going to cut, you're going to cut our wood, you're going to carry our water, and you're going to be subject to us all the days of our life. But see, but God didn't tell Joshua to go into the promised land and make slaves of the people. He told Joshua to go into the promised land and to take it. Wow. And so what happened was, is because they entered into a covenant too quickly because they did not fully understand the terms. Now Joshua enters Israel into a covenant which is still intact to this day. Mm -hmm. Let me just say that again. The covenant that Joshua made with this group of people and with that land, because it was a covenant and it was done made with blood, it is still in effect today. Had Joshua taken the time to do a little research to maybe ask a few more questions. You know, you don't just marry the first person you see. Right. You know, I believe in love at first sight, but I don't believe in marriage at first sight. You know, a lot of times we get caught up in the emotion or the romance of a moment. The light was perfect. The way that it touched her hair, the moon was out, the birds were singing, you know, and I, pro I, pro I you know, I was like, I love my love for this woman, let's get married, you know? That's why in Vegas, people get married and divorced on the same day. It's a spur of the moment, it's an emotional thing. But if you take the time, you know, maybe who you're gonna marry doesn't look as good in the daylight as she did at the nighttime. You need to see that. You know, you need to, you need to ask questions. You know, you need to find out who this person is because as we talked about last week, you know, Jesus said what God has joined together, let no man tear apart. That joining thing is a gluing. It's a cementing of two people. And you don't just cement two people together and then rip them apart. That's why divorce is so dangerous yes. because there is a ripping that takes place. Even if you didn't like each other, you have become one flesh biblically. And that joining, that gluing, that connecting, when you get pulled apart, you know, I, I, I hate saying this, but it is kind of a saying that I've picked up. Marriage is hard, but divorce is hard, and you have to choose your hard. Which hard do you want? You know, you can work through marriage, you can, you can stand firm, you can, you can forgive, you can move on, but even if you get divorced, that person is still gonna be in your life forever. Yeah, and I think it's just important to say that if you're not married and you want to be married, you need to seek the Lord on who is a good person that you yeah. can live the rest of your life with, who will stay faithful to be a godly person, even if they're not perfect, because they won't be. It's so good. And then if you are already married, ask the Lord, how do I pray for this person to become all they're called to be? Yeah. How do I speak life according to the scriptures over my husband or my, my wife? You know, and there are so many wonderful scriptures in the Word that we can use to say, Thank you that my husband loves me as Christ loved the church, or thank you that I respect my husband, and we can confess those things for one another and see change. So good. Well, we've come to the end of the broadcast. We're gonna just we've been talking about covenant. We're gonna uh, we're gonna come back next week and we're gonna pick it up here again. But we just want you to know that God is for your marriage, yes. and that no matter where you are, no matter what the situation is, that God is a covenant keeping God, 
And I just encourage you, there is no more powerful prayer team than a husband and wife. Yeah. And so I encourage yeah. you, pray together, pray with one another, yes. pray for right. one another. Um, if, you, if you're looking for a harvest man, you need to sow seed in that area. We have a tendency of trying to go to our wife for a harvest and we haven't sown anything into their lives. We need to sow, we need to be covenant minded. This is Pastor Jack and Michelle, we love you. Jesus is Lord, we'll Jesus. see you next week.